In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. It's nice that some of our confirmands are here from WPC as well today, because the story I want to start with is about Friday night, when a group of us went to Temple B'nai Haim for Shabbat service. Some of you have probably been mentors, even if you weren't with us that night, so you may have had before the gift of watching Rabbi Rachel take the Torah out of the ark. And the Torah that she took out this time, and I imagine that she takes out many times, is the one that was first in a synagogue in the Czech Republic. And it was carried away by the Nazis. And the Nazis destroyed many, many of those scrolls. And this one managed to stay in one piece. It still bears the red ink on the side from when it was cataloged by the Nazis. And it's now resting in the ark here with our Jewish neighbors in Wilton. They can't use it in worship, Rachel explained to us, because the Torah needs to be sort of pristine for it to be read from. Not one letter can be sort of smudged. And yet it sits there and it bears witness to the fact that some damage, some hurt, can never really be wiped away. And so even though the scroll has been restored, it will never quite be back to where it was. So it was a gift, though, still, to watch Rachel take this scroll out and to have some of our kids sort of pick up the edge of it, some of our grown kids, too. I'm looking at Colin. If you've not seen those pictures on social media, I actually put some of them up on the screen in the narthex so that you can look. It's a cool thing to see these big scrolls with their big wooden handles and have a sense of actually what's happening in this gospel story. The timing is interesting because Jesus goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, and the text tells us he's given the scroll of Isaiah, and he unrolls it in much the same way that Rachel unrolled the Torah on Friday night. Rachel also told us a little bit about Hebrew, and I should confess to you now that I studied Greek in seminary because Hebrew is too hard. <laughs> when you read Hebrew from a scroll like that, there are no vowels, and there's no punctuation. So you need to already know what the text says. You need to know sort of the arc of the story. You need to be able to go looking for the specific passage that you want. And so that's what Jesus does when he unrolls this scroll in the gospel passage. He knows what he's looking for. And he knows the words already. He probably has them memorized. And he reads this really important prophecy from Isaiah that has a lot of pieces to it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Anointed me. And then he goes on to do something that's really special. There are five pieces to this prophecy, all of which are important. And the first one is about good news to the poor. And when we look back at Hebrew scriptures, what in our tradition we've often called the Old Testament, but... We, we call now more Hebrew scriptures because we share those stories with our Jewish brothers and sisters. When we look back at those texts, there's a rich, deep tradition of loving and caring for the poor. That's what Isaiah is talking about, and that's what Jesus is talking about. It's what he does in his ministry. He and the disciples walk around with a purse, not for themselves, not to spend money on themselves, but so that they can give money away to the poor. 
Jesus is constantly calling the disciples and us to make room for the poor among us, to care for their needs, and to try and combat their poverty, both and at the same time. It's a rich, deep tradition that Isaiah is nodding at, that Jesus is holding up for us too. And then there's the part about proclaiming release to the captives, and I'm going to connect that to letting the oppressed go free. This part is about forgiveness, and it's about justice. Both of those lines recognize the fact that we suffer and that our neighbors suffer, and that we need God to set us free. Then there's the part about recovery of sight to the blind, and we have so many stories in the Gospels of Jesus healing people, of physically giving people their eyesight back. And how many more times do we have stories about Jesus metaphorically giving people their eyesight back, able to see beyond themselves, able to see beyond the cultural norms, able to see God's love and their dependence on God's love instead of their desire to control. Jesus is constantly giving people their eyesight back, their wholeness, their health back, both physically and spiritually. And then there's this last part about the year of the Lord's favor, which also comes from Hebrew scriptures. There's this rich theme called a jubilee year that would happen the 50th year, Leviticus tells us. And what happens is, in that 50th year, farmers and those who grow food leave it all in the fields. They don't harvest it. They don't sell it. They leave it there. And the poor can come and eat. In fact, everyone can come and eat. It's also in that year true that slaves are set free, that people get to own their personal liberty again. If you owe someone money in that 50th year, that debt has to be forgiven. And God forgives the debt of the people of Israel. It's a whole year of forgiveness and mercy and celebration and kindness and justice. It's like a restart. It cleans the slate. And it reminds God's people who they are and that above all, God loves them. That's not a small job description for Jesus who tells us he's anointed to come and do that work. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed to do that work. That is a huge, involved job description for the Savior of the world. Yesterday, your outreach committee and your vestry gathered to spend the morning thinking about our work in the world. And it was a good day and the beginning of a much longer conversation. And the part of the day that was most important to me speaking for myself here, was the part when we talked about mission. And the fact as the body of Christ here at St. Matthew's, we are called to live into God's mission. And essentially what we have in the gospel this morning is one definition, it's not the only one that we get in scripture, but it is a definition of God's mission. The way in which Jesus comes into the world to love it and save it and change it, so that we might learn to live like he did and also love and save and change the world. We are invited, each of us as a member of the body of Christ, to live into that mission. And in the epistle this morning, we hear that each of us is given certain gifts to do that work. We all are a different part of the body, a different member. 
each with different gifts, each with a different role. But the sticking point is that if you're going to build the kingdom and if you're going to do all this work, we need everybody and all of the gifts that have been entrusted to you. And we need to start from this place, literally this space. Because the invitation of the gospel is to see all the work we do as coming from and leading back to our worship, our claiming. When Jesus says that he is anointed, that should remind us of the anointing we receive in baptism to do the same work. And it should remind us of the fact that every time we come to this table and receive communion, every time we're here in this space, that we're fed by word and sacrament, we're invited again to be transformed a little bit more into him. To be a little more like him. To walk a little more closely to him. As Christians, we're invited to live into God's mission, which is spelled out in the gospel this morning. It's about loving and healing and seeking the good for other people. It's about forgiveness and mercy, and ultimately it's about freedom and joy. And to do that and to build that not only here in this place, but also out in the world, we need each other. Each of us to play our own role and bring our own gifts. Each of us to build our own little part of the kingdom. At the end of the gospel passage, Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. For those of us who believe in the risen Christ, that scripture is fulfilled. If you believe that he lived, that he lived this way, that he died and rose again, and if you believe that that changes something for you, then this scripture has already been fulfilled. But it will not be fulfilled for everyone if we don't take it with us out into the world. If we don't start here and root here and find our grounding here and then turn together with all the gifts we've been given to go and participate in God's mission, to do the work that we have been given to do, not just to support the work of others, which is a good thing to do, but to really discern to what we are called and what gifts we have been given to do our particular work. This scripture will not be fulfilled in the hearing of and the sight of the world if we cannot learn to do our work. And so I ask you this morning to consider the work to which you have been called, the gifts that God has given you that is different than the gifts God has given anyone else, the gifts entrusted to you for the building and, and upkeep and growth and maintenance and stretching and challenging of the kingdom of God, to consider how you live into this definition of the mission of God, how you love and serve and heal and change the world, and to consider, too, how we might do that together with our own two hands. Amen.